0: Father, uh, we do, once again, we look forward to uh, what you're going to teach us. God, I just thank you. I think of, I think of the person whoever wrote this letter, the author, whether Paul or Barnabas or, or some of you don't even know, Lord. I just think of them sitting, and Lord, as they're, they're praying and they're, they're working through their heart and their mind for that group of believers trying to encourage them trying to get them to understand that, God, you have so much for them. All they need to do is trust you and put their faith in you. Spent chapters looking at theology, looking at the reality that Jesus is greater than the prophets, Jesus is greater than the angels, Jesus is greater than the temple, and all of that laid out to get in our hearts that Jesus is all. And now, Lord, we've looked at men and women who walked in faith and exercised faith. Now we're being challenged. The next couple chapters as we close up this letter are the final push for us to put into practice the things we learn, the things we know the things that are true. So I pray that you would work in all of our hearts. I believe just as that group of believers were going through things, thinking about things, trying to process what was going on in their lives and in their community and in their world, that we're the same way. Some of us are doing really good. Some of us right now, life stinks and it's hard. And I know, God, that no matter where we're at on that spectrum, that, Lord, you know exactly what we need, you know exactly what we need to do. So let your word have its effect in our lives tonight, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we went through and we've looked at, I, I believe it's 16, 18 different people in their walk of faith. And they, we looked at their examples, we looked at their highs, we looked at their lows, we looked at their struggles, but all of them, and here's the important thing, all of them, finished walking in faith and I believe that's the whole chapter and then and then he put it to us and and the the very last two verses are for you and I now to go and do that and walk by faith and trust God remember we defined what faith was right I think it's really simple I think it's called believing God and then walking with God it's that simple. I don't think it's like huge, complex. Some people try and make it real mystical. I think it's pretty simple. So we're looking at that. Now he moves into chapter 12. And in chapter 12, to me, this first part of chapter 12 is like this huge push for like get going, you know, get out and go. And, and, and I just see the heart of this guy like, come on, people, let's do this. Let's don't just read about it. Let's just don't talk about it. Let's just don't, you know, even fantasize about it. It, let's do it so he tells us in verse 1 therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith for who for the joy That was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know about you guys, but man, there is a ton of stuff in there for to encourage us, to strengthen us, and for us to get a hold of. So, first of all, he tells you and I that we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. When I first began teaching the Bible. And I remember teaching this passage. I think it was even at, at some kind of retreat, maybe as a men's retreat or something. I remember emphasizing the fact that these people are watching us. I've matured since then. People in heaven are not watching us. Like, wouldn't that be a drag? I mean, seriously, wouldn't it be a drag to go to heaven and have to look at this mess? I mean, it wouldn't be very encouraging, right? It wouldn't be something, yeah. And so, listen. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're spectators. I don't think they're, you know, I, I, and, and even some of the commentaries I read said, it's like you're in the Colosseum and all of these guys are watching you and they're wanting you to succeed. Now, here's what I know. When important people are people who are good at what you do and they're watching you, it makes you a little nervous, right? Like sort of freaks you out. I I remember years ago when I first started doing a pottery presentation and then Robert Furrow asked me to do it for a pastor's conference and I've taught at pastor's conferences and that's, listen, that's difficult. You're, You're with your peers and you're with some people you respect and looked up to. Well, at that particular one, Pastor Chuck Smith's there. And the good thing for me is I'm doing pottery. He's not a potter. So he said, I'm thinking, ha, huh, I got you here, you know, and then, and, and you think about those things, but if I was there teaching and I look down and I see someone like Chuck Smith or somebody, that's a little frightening. So I'll tell you what, I don't wanna be running a race and have Moses looking at me, <laughs> right? I don't want those guys, and it would, be, it, would be a, it would be more of a burden than an encouragement. So here's what he's saying, that they're all there and we have them as a witness that they've gone before us, that it is possible to live a life of faith. They've demonstrated it. We're surrounded by those witnesses. Now, I like to think that, you know, maybe Rahab's up there, like, giving us a parade wave, right? Go. So, you know, kind of thing. And, and, but not watching, but saying, listen, I did it. And if I could do it, you could do it. And I believe that's his point more than they're watching us. And not that they're cheering for us, but they would tell us, hey, I made it. And if I made it, you can do it. So that's what, that's what he's letting us know. So think about that. Now just stop and think about that part. We spent a lot of time looking at individuals, looking at what they did, and think about, they are there. Listen, that wasn't written for entertainment. It wasn't written so we could do a series on people who walk by faith. It was written so you and I can understand something. It's very possible to live a life of faith. And it's possible in spite of circumstances, in spite of culture, in spite of the world you're in, in spite of the you know, situations you're in, it's still possible to walk by faith, and I think greater than that, as I look at that group, the whole group, but especially the last six we looked at, in spite of failure, it's still possible to walk by faith. Sometimes, sometimes it's kind of implied to us, if you blow it, that's it, man, you just blew it. No, God's there, and Jesus Christ died for our sins, and he didn't die just for one sin or two sins, he died for all of our sins. And he is, we'll find out, he's the ultimate, right? So hey, don't let the devil beat you down. But here's the thing we gotta remember. We're in a race. We are involved in this thing. And I'm gonna say it later on, but I wanna say it now. We're not in a race against each other. We're in a race of our own, and we'll look at that, and we might even say we're in a race against Satan, but we're in a race. And we're not in, listen, we're not in a 100-yard dash. We're not in even a two-mile run. We're in a marathon. Now, I don't know anything about marathon. I am so not a runner. Like, when I was in the Army, man, I hated running. And who do I get? I get a drill sergeant that loved to run. And we would run, he would take off. We would do our exercises in like three and a half minutes. You're supposed to be doing PT, you would go, ah, let's go run. Oh, boy. But you know what, he was such an encourager. Whenever I read this passage, I think of him. Because we would run, and if you, were, if you were genuinely working with him, and you were genu- genuine, genuinely out of it, and you'd like, you just, I can't go. He would say, you sit right here, we'll pick you up on the way back, and tomorrow you'll go further. That's a good leader. And I, man, it, by the end of basic, we could run everywhere with that sergeant. He would say, let's go, and we'd take off. So we're in this race, and it's long, it's an endurance race, and there are way too many shooting stars, right? Even in this thing called Christianity. So we're in this race. So he says, listen, because since we have this surround of, of people who made it and people who did it, here's what he says. Listen, now we, now we kind of get into the bulk of it. Here's what he says. We need to divest ourselves of certain things. And, I, you know, listen, in our culture today, we understand divesting more, more with economics and houses and, and different things. But I want you to think about your life. How are you doing with your life? Are you living your life in such a way where if this thing is burdening you down in your relationship with the Lord, are you going to deal with it or are you going to try and carry it? Are you going to have that burden with you? And he gives us two different examples. The first example, he says, listen, we need to lay aside every weight. One thing that runners do is, man, they don't want to have very much on them, right? They wear the minimal clothes they can that are, I think, sometimes sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But in their day, listen, in their day, they would actually, many would run naked in their day. And it wasn't such like a, ooh, thing. But man, listen, they want to get rid of every single bit of weight. And you know what that means for you and I? doesn't mean you need to go on a diet and a weight loss program and et cetera, et cetera. Here's what it means. It means you need to look at your life and you need to decide, what is there in my life that is holding me down and keeping me from finishing this race? And listen, we're going to talk about sin in a moment. We're not even talking about sin. We're talking about good things that are messing you up. I like to say it this way, you gotta get rid of the best things so you can have the better things. And you have to make choices. And those are difficult choices in our life. And if I want to finish this race, if I wanna actually get to the end, I gotta start working on that. And when do I start working on it? The day I get saved. When do I stop working on it? When I get to heaven. But I have to look at things and I have to say, is this this the best for me? It might be good for me, but is it the best for me? And am I going to make decisions? Am I going to start getting these things out of my life? Now, we're going to look at it in a minute, but I do want to jump ahead because I think some of us are thinking about other people right now. And he says, listen, he says, we need to run with endurance the race that is set before us. I have a race. You have a race. We don't have the same race. I have a course I have to run, you have a course you have to run, and I don't want us leaving this teaching deciding what might be best for somebody, and et cetera, and we start going home, and it usually, usually it's with spouses, huh? Hey, honey, you gonna deal with that or not? Don't do that. Number one, we don't wanna have to counsel you with your marriage. It's up to you to decide. now. Brothers and sisters can, if they care about you, they can help you in love. But listen, you're the one. You know, you know things, and you know what's going on. And again, we—it's hard for us in America because we live in a, in a material society, right? It's not your heads. Like, don't go to sleep on me. Good, way in the back. <laughs> We live in this society that's dragging us in and and I think we all can get caught up in it. I know I can get caught up in it and you get caught up in things you have to say, wait, stop. This is not the best for me. This is okay. It's not sin, but it's not the best for me and I'm gonna make choices. And you know, in my life, here's what I found. When I make those choices, man, my walk with the Lord starts getting so good and so powerful in my life. I remember even as a younger believer and a new believer, I would make certain choices and I would have others involved in my life saying, you don't need to do that. And I'm thinking, why would you tell me I don't need to do that? That's hindering me right now and I need to deal with, it. oh, you don't. And part of it was they were getting convicted by it and that's their problem. I wasn't preaching at them, I wasn't telling them. I just don't wanna do it. So listen, we've gotta look at those things and we have gotta say, I'm going to divest myself, divest myself of all of the things that are going to hurt. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you can't have things. It means that your things can't have you. And that's so important, especially when we think about our material society. Are you willing? Is it okay? Is it okay if like something you get gets ruined? Yeah, it's okay. Some of you are going, dude, stop. It's all right. Is it okay if that thing you've just waited for so long, and you just maybe you saved up for, and you got it? Is it okay if it gets smashed tonight, in a parking lot, right now, as we're speaking? Ong, 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 ong. <laughs> hey, that's kind of hard to think about, right? What if what if a microburst hits your home and you go home and it's splinters? So those are things, listen, we have to think about, don't let them have us. Then, then he gets more specific, right? And here's what I like, listen, so we got that cloud of witnesses and they're like cheering us on in the sense that they, hey, I went before you, I can do it, they're not watching us. But then it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, I think, listen, I read that and I think of, I think of sins, I think of the sin of covetousness, envy, criticism, all the things that kind of creep in, pride, the things that we have to deal with, right? And those are things, listen, and I think he's talking about those, but do you notice he's got the definite article there? Those of you who remember grammar, he says, the sin which so easily ensnares us. What do you think the sin is that so easily ensnares us? I think it's the same sin that was ensnaring them and I think it's the same sin that ensnares every generation. It's the sin of doubt. What has he been talking about? let's put it together remember context in the bible is important what's he been talking about he's been talking about faith he's been talking about walking by faith and he's been trying to get us to go in that direction and think about it and then he says listen you need to get rid of those things that will hinder you and then he says get rid of the sin that so easily ensnares us now you know reading commentaries a bunch of them kept saying you know well you've got it that is your thing and you know what might ensnare me may not ensnare you etc cetera, etc cetera. and i I get that, I think think there's part of that, but I think the sin that ensnares every single one of us is doubt. When we doubt God, we begin to pull back and we begin to, quote, not trust him, right? And we begin to drift away, we begin to distance ourselves from him, from the family of God and those who can help us. And here's what he's saying, man, take care of that. Don't doubt, walk by faith trust God and then I think in that doubt then I think all those other sins come right laziness etc all of that stuff comes so he says listen man we need to do that and then you know you can plug in I'm not going to go through a whole list of sins because we'd be here forever and he says listen but they ensnare us now I think as I think about this so we're going divest, to divest ourselves of weight and Things that are going to hinder us, the, the sin that's going to hinder us, the weight that's going to hinder us. You know something else that can really hinder our walk? Other believers, not other people, other believers. Like it's a believer that just stops running right in front of you. Now you got to hurdle them, right? You got to jump over them. You got to do things. So think about that, and think about what goes on there. And not that I don't want you judging. Like don't go out of here tonight. You have don't right in front of me just stops (laughs) i want you to think about if you're tripping somebody up if you're messing up and you're tripping that other person up so he deals with that and then it just gets better and better this first this first verse just wow and then he says those things and then he says check this out and let us run with endurance I really underlined us listen man we are all in this together we're not running against each other we're running with each other and all of us us them and us now we're running and he says man come on guys let us run with endurance don't does anybody does anybody run a race and not want to win does anybody go man I hope I lose today you don't even have to be an A-type personality. <laughs> you want to win, man. You're there. Everything you do, I, listen, there's a lot of stuff you do. Any sport thing you do, you do why? Because you want to win. I play golf once a week. I never go and say, man, I really hope I lose today. I make fun of it, and I tell people that I'm a Christian golfer, and I golf to make other people look good, and they, so, so I golf so they can win. But we all listen. No matter what we're doing, you want to win, are you living your Christian life in such a way that you have that desire, and what, I'm gonna to get to what we're gonna win in a minute, but you wanna win? Or are you just kinda of nonchalant about it? I think it's kinda of weird. I hear people say, huh, eh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. You're saved. We just sang some songs about being redeemed. I'm pretty blown away that I'm redeemed. I'm like, I'm mystified that God would save me. I look in the mirror often, mostly on weekends, man, I look at the mirror and I go, really, God, really? Not that he saved me, really? We're gonna do this? We're really gonna do this? And he goes, yeah, Pat, we're gonna do this. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You were such a risk taker. Like, do you know my mouth's not working good today? He goes, it's okay. We'll make it happen. And we run, listen, we run with, and then we run with endurance. Don't stop. Don't give up. We have an enemy of our souls who will say what, quit, give it up. You're never gonna do. It. You're not gonna finish. Do you ever have anybody in your life that says you're never gonna amount to anything? You're not gonna make it. And that's hard to overcome. That's just that physical part's hard to overcome, but we have an enemy of our souls who does the same thing to us. And here's what God says: Go with endurance, man. Don't listen to the trash talk. Don't listen to that. You can make it. You run your race and it's your race. You run it. Don't worry about others. We'll get to that in a minute. Just run. And man, we got Jesus on our side. How good is that? I don't care what other people have told you in your past. I don't care what even maybe somebody said to you today. Don't listen to that. You listen to God. And he says, man, run this race with endurance and we're going to find out. Now, some of you are going, dude, I am not a runner. Like I hate running. It's so, okay, I'm going to give you some help. We got some help coming, and we got good help, right? So you run the race with endurance, and it is set before us. Again, we touched on this, but uh, one more time, it's our race. I've got my race. You've got your race. You don't compete against each other. You're not telling one another, although you still want to win the race, but you're not racing against each other. We're racing against the enemy of our souls. And so, listen, man, And our course, don't you love it that we're not cookie cutters? Christians they're cookie. You know, don't you love that we, we can be different? You know, I look out and we're pretty we're pretty weird. We're a strange group. That's what the Bible says. And hey, we're not all the same. I think we have to believe the same core values of Christianity, the core doctrine. But man, we are gonna put that together so many different ways. And I think this comes across for me, when I think about races, my race that's set before me, I think about you know, the differences we have, and, and I can kinda of compare myself, other Bible teachers. There's a lot of Bible teachers. Everyone's gonna teach a little bit different, not different doctrine. Robert Furrell and I are close friends. Talk to Robert today. Him and I don't teach the same. He's got Robert's style. I got Pat style. I don't try to be Robert. I don't think Robert tries to be me. I think he would go never would I try to be you. But listen, but we teach the same Bible. We teach the same truth. But we're running our own race. And I know sometimes when we get involved in some ministry, and I think mostly it can be a pulpit ministry, we try to be somebody else. Hey, you can't run somebody's race. You're gonna look dorky doing it. You're going to look really funky. Run your own race. Run where God has placed you. And now we're kind of getting back to the whole idea. God's got a plan for your life. Do you know that? He has a plan for you. And people often again, Pat, what's God's plan for me? I have no idea, man. I'm still figuring out God's plan for me. I don't like it when somebody wants me to live their Christian life. I'm struggling with my own Christian life. How am I gonna live your Christian life? It's just too hard. Maybe yours is easier, but mine's tough. God has not hid his plan from you. You're just refusing to see it if you don't see it. He doesn't play hide and seek. He's not the kind of God that says, you know what? If you get the special decoder ring, you can figure things out. Read your Bible, pray, fellowship, God will direct you and he will get you if you're not interested I found out God's not going to hound you well he kind of does but but if you're not interested fine but I want to know I want hey I don't want to run around in circles you know the Israelites did that for 40 years right in the desert I don't want to be doing that So run that race, run that course. He says that that race that is set before us. Now here's here's where we find out, okay, some of you are going, dude, I'm not a runner. I don't want to do that. This is too difficult. No, it's not difficult. Listen carefully, looking unto Jesus. Yes, yes. So first of all, first and foremost, get your eyes on Jesus and not on everybody else around you. Quit looking at people around you saying, well, I'm beating them. Hey, look. To Jesus focus on Jesus focus on the finish line that's where you're going and he says I love that man I love that whole idea looking unto Jesus now listen what he says the author and finisher of our faith yes how are you gonna get to the finish line Jesus how are you gonna get started Jesus how are you gonna do the middle Jesus focus on Jesus understand and Jesus listen Notice that he doesn't say Jesus Christ. Notice that he doesn't say our Lord. Are you you understanding? He's very specific. Why? We're looking at the man, Jesus, the one who came to this earth and walked the walk of faith. You talk about somebody walking faith. He walked the walk of faith. Hey, all these other people we looked at, they were pretty good at it. Jesus was great at it. He went all the way, right? He finished it. At the end, what did he say? It is finished. He's the author or pioneer or beginner of our faith, but he's also, woo. you, you hearing it? He's the finisher. He's gonna get us to the end. Focus on him. And again, I think that's where a lot of us start losing the race, as we start looking at other people. Have you ever run and looked to the side? It's not, it's, not, it's not advised. You run into things, you trip. And worst thing you can do is look down at your feet Just run, just run and look at him and keep focused on him and I love that man. He's the author again, the beginner, the pioneer, whatever word you want to put in there and finisher of our faith. Now listen, listen, because here's what what we need to understand. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Oh, oh. Why did Jesus go to the cross? He didn't go to the cross because it was fun. The cross is the most intense thing I think that's happened in human history. Not, not so much a physical. A lot of people died physically on crosses. You know, Jesus isn't the only person who has ever crucified and died a miserable death on a cross. Although it's horrible and horrendous. But what does the cross represent? The cross represents him becoming sin who knew no sin. man. I don't think we'll ever comprehend that. I think we'll spend eternity trying to figure that out. Jesus had never even gotten close to sin until he took our sin upon him. Do you, know, do you know how horrendous that had to be going through that and working through that? And it says, listen, he did that, why? For the joy set before him. Now, I think part of that joy is us. Yeah, I think Jesus looking through all of eternity, I think, I think well, as he was going through that moment and suffering for the sin, I think he could look back through eternity and all of the people who were saved from, from uh, Adam on, all the way, and then he could look forward to all the people who are going to be saved, and he says, yes, I can do this, I can do this. And there's that joy, but what was his greater joy? His greater joy was bringing glory to God. Right, look at, look at here, I, I had it written down here in John chapter 17. So let me read it to you, John 17, you can write this down. John 17, four and five, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. You see, I don't think the joy was just our salvation, although I think that was great. But I think his main joy, listen carefully, is to bring glory to God. Now, what does he say? Focus on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was that joy? Glorifying God. How can you finish the race? Because you want to glorify God. That's what you're thinking about. That's your objective in life. That's why we have breath, is to glorify God. When we start focusing on that and looking at that, we're going to be more like Jesus. Jesus. Remember when Jesus was tempted? We looked at that, uh, uh, was it, a, it was on a Thursday night. If you don't come on Thursday night, shame on you. But we looked, remember when he was tempted and he's in the, the whole thing and he's got to deal with that? And what did Jesus say? It is written. And the tempter would come again and what would he say? It is written. And the tempter would come again and he said it was written. And if you were here on Thursday nights, here's what you're gonna find out. Everything that Jesus quoted that was written was out of Deuteronomy, the book you all love. Yeah, and Jesus is quoting that. And why did he do that? For the joy. What was the joy? Bringing God glory. Why did he win that battle that day out in the wilderness? For the glory. To bring God glory. Why did he win that battle in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's on his knees and he's praying? Why? Because he knew, I've got to finish this so I can glorify my Father in heaven and join that glory. That's what we have so the next time you think about quitting, man, I hope somebody smacks you and says, come on, you gotta do it for the glory, you gotta glorify God, that's why we're here. And you know, maybe that'd be the Holy Spirit I hope smacks you, but listen. And he says, he says well he did that, and then not just that, here's the thing, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, check this out, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, he sat down, right? That was what he was going for. Yes, he was going for our salvation, but he was going also to be at the right hand of the Father. But check this out. He despised the shame. You and I have an opportunity in our walk with the Lord to, hey, those people that try and shame us and stuff, you don't despise them. You despise the shame. You don't care about that. Jesus is just like, who cares? I got some glory to do. I want you to think about it. Get a little Pentecostal. You can even say it like glory, you know, and kind of and do that. And, and you get into it and you go, hey, I don't need to be doing that, man. I'm just despising that shame. That shame is nothing to me. I don't care what you say. You know, what did we say when we were kids? You know, that, that your names don't stick on me. I know sticks and stones break bones, but you won't blah, blah, blah. But I know some things can hurt but you don't have to let it hurt. What was said to Jesus when he hung on the cross? Think about it. Hey, you forger, come off of there. We could put it in today's. Hey, you hypocrite, what are you doing up there? If you were really God, you could save yourself. What it, and the whole time, Jesus is not going, oh man, it really hurts my feelings. I just don't know if I can handle one more minute of this. The whole time, he's like, Psh, I'm despising that shame. I don't have to tolerate that. I don't have to believe it. I don't have to live with it. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now one more. We gotta do one more verse. Listen fast. You guys are like taking too much time. So check this out, right? We're gonna focus on him. He's gonna be our focus now. Here, it gets better. It gets so much better. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Listen to what he's saying. First he's saying, focus on him, look to him, watch him, check him out. Now here's what he's saying, now you start analyzing him. You start not, listen, that word for consider is you're in some deep thought, you're doing spreadsheets on Jesus, that's a joke for somebody here. And you listen, man, you're like, you're like getting it down, you're considering, you're going through details, you're thinking about things, and you're looking at those things, and That is going to bring you strength in your life. What did Jesus do? Not just the bracelet, not just the saying, and not just those things. What did he do in that situation? You stop and you consider, and you consider mainly how did he endure, that he endured hostility from sinners towards himself. Hey, we get all broken up. It cracks me up. Sometimes people come, I can't believe what somebody said to me in a parking lot. And I go, you know, when you get to heaven, talk to Paul about that. He's going to be really impressed how persecuted you were. (laughs) Come on, saints. Let's consider Jesus. How did Jesus handle that stuff? He didn't come at him. He didn't whine. He didn't have a fit. Number one, he despised it. But number two, listen, man, he dealt with it. And it said, listen, it says he endured it, right? The hostility from sinners against him. He says, you and I need to consider him lest, here it is, you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You want to lose the race? You want to fall down and trip somebody else? Then take your eyes off of Jesus. Quit thinking about Jesus and what Jesus accomplished and try and do it on your own. You're going to fail miserably. And you're going to... And you're going to trip four or five people, and you're going to have a big huddle, and everybody's going to be on the ground, and then we're going to have to help each other up and get going again, I hope. But listen carefully, He says, consider Jesus, and the hostility that He endured last so that you do not finish, so that you do not blow it and, and wreck in your race, so you do not become weary and discouraged. Those are, those are definite. When he uses those terms, he, those are terms that are talking about athletic terms. Like if you've done anything athletic, right? No matter what it is, I don't care if it was dodgeball or foursquare or hopscotch. Is that athletic? Sort of. Can be. You will make it difficult. Maybe not hopscotch, but listen, if you've done something, there's a point where you get tired, I don't wanna do this. And I think specifically running, right? And I hear marathoners. I hear that you hit that wall when you're doing a marathon, you're gonna hit that point where your body is going, you are an idiot, we're gonna stop now. That's what I've heard, I don't know, I've never, never even got close. I never got near a marathon, but that's what I hear. So our bodies physically, but more importantly, spiritually, might start screaming I can't do this, what are you gonna do? Trust me at that point, you're not gonna have the strength to go. You're gonna have to consider Jesus. Consider how he did it and then focus on him. And I love this, listen man, I love this. How am I gonna win this race, this stupid race I'm in? And some of you are going, I didn't sign up for no race, I just wanted to have a wonderful life. Well, you're signed up for a race. You got recruited. So we need to divest divest ourselves, right, of things that are going to hinder us. We're going to need to work on that sin and all sins, but that sin. Hey, we're going to run with perseverance, endurance, endurance, And we're going to run our race. We're not going to like try and get in somebody. Don't get in somebody else's lane. Nothing bothers me more in the church than when people try and get in each other's lanes. It's like stay out of their lane. They're running a race. They're doing really good. And you get in their lane, you're going to trip them and you're probably going to slow them down. So anyway, uh, that's a whole different teaching. And how are we going to do it? We're going to focus on Jesus, right? We're going to look to him and then we're going to analyze Man, Jesus did this here. He did that there. He did this here. Why did Jesus Why did Jesus approach that in that way? Why did He do that? And you've got to start asking yourself those questions and start looking at. It. That's what considering is. So, you ready? On your marks? Right? Let's go. And here's, a, once again, man, I want to emphasize, because some of you go, I'm not a runner. I totally relate. But Jesus is. And I've said it many times. I stole this saying, but it's such a good saying. When Jesus is all you have, then you realize Jesus is all you need. And hey, in that race, man, I need Jesus. If it's gonna be a, if it's gonna be a marathon, Man, I better have Jesus because I ain't gonna make it. So let's get involved with him. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, I do, I thank you, God, as we look at this and and we know that all that study we did for for a couple months, looking at individuals, looking at... uh, Abel and Enoch and looking at each one and tearing them apart and thinking about what they did and how they did it and watching their lives. We see Noah and we just go down that list and we can just keep going. And we have all of those, those men and women of faith, Rahab who stepped out, Sarah who trusted in spite of, and then we, we have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and then we get our six guys, all of those people we looked at. They're there not just for a lesson. They're there to teach us. They're a witness to us that it can be done. We just need to be men and women who are focused on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Just as Paul wrote in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. And this life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me that's what it's all about so in one sense we don't have to be really strong but in another sense we do have to be strong we have to trust him and fight against the enemy and God just empower every person standing with me right now empower them to deal with that sin of doubt and look to you and consider you and I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer and hey, maybe you, maybe you came to church with mom for Mother's Day and she said, hey, what, you said, what do you want for Mother's Day? And she said, one thing, I want you to come to church. And maybe you did that. Maybe you're here tonight for that reason. Or maybe you just dropped in and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to take your sin away. Hey, if I'm talking to you, tonight's the night to make that difference. And I don't care if you've come here a hundred times or came here, come here for, you know, eight years or 18 years. If God is speaking to your heart and you know in your heart you do not have a relationship with him, then right now is the time to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says that if you will confess to him that you're a sinner that you'll let him know that you're sorry for your sins and you want him to come into your life and you're going to believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, then you know what? The Bible says you put that in your life tonight, you will be saved. So if you want that, I'm going to say a prayer and you can say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. If you're backslidden man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Say this prayer tonight. Or maybe... Maybe you're, you're watching online and God has got a hold of your heart. Maybe again at home, mom said, all I want you to do is watch this, this guy with me and just watch this one time with me tonight and you're watching with your mom and God has touched your heart, say this prayer. You can say it right there in your home. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And tonight, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And Right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you tonight to be my Lord and my Savior.